Welcome to the Song of Songs. This is a podcast based on the biblical book, The Song of Solomon, otherwise known as The Song of Songs. This is your host, John, and before we dive into that episode today, I want to take just a moment and thank those of you who are listening faithfully to the podcast here. You're an encouragement to me, and I'm very grateful for your support. Uh, According to our analytics on our podcast hosting service, uh, either some of you are using VPNs, which I'm all for, you know, that's fine. Uh, But if you're using VPNs, you're throwing off my analytics some and kind of confusing me a little bit because I have no idea how in the world people from South South America and Africa and uh, from Europe, I don't know anybody in Europe. You know, it's like there are people, there are pings all across the world in places where I don't know anybody. And so... Anyway, there's a possibility that somebody might be listening here uh, who doesn't actually know who I am and doesn't know anything about the ministry that the Lord has called us to do. And so I want to give you a way of just keeping in touch with us just on the off chance, maybe perhaps that uh, like a couple of weeks ago when I didn't upload anything, um, that was because partially it was Thanksgiving week here in uh, in the States and also mainly because I had a pretty terrible head cold and I just did not feel well and I sounded even worse. And so I was pretty sure you didn't want to hear me coughing and sneezing and you know all of that good stuff uh trying to to get through a podcast my hope is to be able to make a backlog of episodes so that you know we're a couple weeks ahead or whatever and so we don't have to really worry about that and even if i get sick or life happens and something you know keeps me from recording then you still have that content but we are just not at that place right now and so anyway all of this to be said thank you for listening If you don't know who we are, I encourage you to find us on Facebook. That's really the best way right now of keeping in touch with us. Uh, Maybe eventually we might do Instagram and things like that, but we're keeping the social media and the promoting of the work at a minimum. My belief is uh, that if you are obedient to what the Lord calls you to do, you don't have to promote yourself. And, you know, I may be wrong about that, but... I don't think I am. Um, I believe that if if something is of the Lord, then you don't have to kick down doors. God will open the doors that he wants to open. I'm not saying that my even my hope and prayer is to be some big, huge name in the podcast realm. I don't expect that. I don't want that. But I do want to be able to present Bible truth in such a way to make people take a second look at Scripture and say, maybe there's something here that I need and that, I need to learn. And so that's what we're kind of doing here with the Song of Songs. So let me, again, third time's the charm, try to get you to our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash, it's the forward slash Turning Tide Media. Okay, Turning Tide Media. And we hope to do more projects in the future. Song of Songs is just one of many different visions that we have. But life has kind of gotten a little bit more complicated since we uh, started this this endeavor. Uh, And so we've had to put some of those other projects on hold for the time being. But we're going to continue on with the Song of Songs prayerfully with the uh, same format that we have going on right now of two episodes per week. Speaking of episodes... Let's get into this one. All right, so we are in Song of Solomon, chapter number one and verse number four. We've been here for the last couple of uh, sessions, and we're going to hopefully finish up this verse here today. I want to, again, read this entire verse, 
And then we're going to kind of do a little bit of a review because we want to take this in context, okay? Uh, but then we're going to make some spiritual applications and try to see what the Lord might be able to teach us about himself and about uh, how we ought to perceive him as Christians uh, and how that um, how that we can be better Christians and better servants to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, the scripture says, Song of Solomon 1 verse number 4, Draw me. We will run after thee. The king hath brought me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love more than wine. The upright love thee. So he says, draw me. Draw me. We looked at that uh, a couple of episodes ago. We looked at the first two phrases, draw me, we will run after thee. Uh, and, and we considered that the word draw there is is much more active uh, than what... I, I think some would probably present today. Uh, draw is not some wooing of making himself attractive, but then we have to decide whether or not we're going to follow after him. We do have to decide whether or not we're going to have to follow, follow after him. As implicated by the next phrase, we will run after thee. But the word draw means to bind and to drag, basically. Uh, we get the picture of, uh, well, uh, Joseph uh, when he was cast into the pit by his brothers, they drew him out of the pit. When the merchants came by and they decided to sell their brother to the merchants, they drew him out of the pit. That's the same word that's used here, draw me, in Song of Solomon 1 verse number 4. And so this is the... This is the same thing Jesus teaches in John chapter number six. He says, you know, that no man can come unto me except the father draw him. But then he says, and I, and, uh, and all that come to me, I will in no wise cast out. So there is this balance that is being put here that God must draw us. But then at the same time, we must be willing to follow after him. And uh, so, um, anyway, we come uh, past that phrase, we go into the king hath brought me into his chambers, and we considered that in the last episode. We talked a great deal about the tabernacle, about the temple, about the holy of holies, and that secret place of God, that place where only the high priest could go into, and how that Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sins. We discussed what that means, and that Jesus is basically Calvary is the place where Jesus Christ died for us. That is the place where we can enter into the holiest place of God. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we have access into the throne room, throne room of heaven, and we can come boldly before him and petition for grace in the time of need. And so the king hath brought me into his chambers, and there is a place of intimacy there that we can aspire to, and that we can not only aspire to, this isn't just some wish and dream thing that we have, but it's something that we can actually possess. We can actually know him. We do not struggle, we do not labor, we do not toil in our life for some unobtainable goal. We will, if we pursue after him, we will find him, okay? He says in James chapter number four, he says, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. You seek after the Lord and he will make himself known to you. And so we understand these things as given by song uh, by Solomon here in Song of Solomon 1 verse number four, as well as through other places in scripture. Now the rest of this verse, uh, there's three different phrases to it and it covers some either very basic elements or some elements that we've already discussed before in our 
study in the Song of Solomon. And so as we dive deeper and deeper into this book, we're not necessarily going to be going as slow as we're going right now, but we're trying to establish themes and we're trying to to get a good foundation here in Song of Solomon 1. But he says, or rather she says, because this is the bride who is speaking in Song of Solomon 1, verse number 4. She says, we will be glad and rejoice in thee. Now, who is the we? We discussed this in the first episode on this particular verse. Now, she says, draw me. That was an individual thing. Draw me specifically, individually, personally. And then we, collectively, talking about a group of people, we will follow after thee. And we believe that the we is the church, okay? This this book is speaking about Christ's love for the Christian in particular and the church in general. And, and so there is this uh, wonderful um, poetry and symmetry going on in this passage of scripture, in this in this poem, in this song, uh, where, uh, yes, you have the bride herself, but then you have those that are surrounded about the bride and part of the bride's company. And so she says, we, we will run after thee. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love more than wine. So we will be glad and rejoice in in thee. Again, we go back uh, to what she says in verse number three. Because of the savor of thy good ointments, thy name is as ointment poured forth. Therefore do the virgins love thee. She says, thy name is as ointments poured forth because of the savor of thine ointments. Okay, I flip that sometimes in my mind anyway. I'm not advocating that we do that in scripture uh, because the format in scripture is the way it needs to be and we need to leave the scripture alone and just believe it and, and proclaim it. But for the sake of my understanding and, and just trying to look at things grammatically and whatnot, it helps me to look at that particular phrase in verse number three, and and arrange it with the main clause, the main point first. Thy name, speaking about Solomon, who is the Christ figure in this passage of scripture, thy name is as ointment poured forth because of the savor of thy ointments. And I feel like we get this backwards in modern day, quote unquote, Christianity, because I don't think modern day Christianity really has very much of Christ likeness in it. Um, but anyway, I, I feel like we get this wrong. I believe we get this wrong anyway. We focus so much on the benefits. We focus so much on the things that we can get out of God, the things that we can get out of Jesus. We focus on even things that he, he, he promises us, okay? We, we focus on a home in heaven, eternal home in heaven. We focus on a reunion with our loved ones who's gone on before. We focus on, you know, uh, an escape out of, out of hell and out of, out of the punishment of, uh, the, the just punishment of God on sinners in an eternal lake of fire and an eternal hell. Uh, we, we think about the benefits of the Lord and a peace that passeth all understanding, and we forget that the peace that passeth all understanding passeth all understanding because it's a peace that really technically, from a worldly perspective, we shouldn't have because we're going through turmoil and trial and tribulation and distress and all these different things, and yet we have a peace, and that peace passeth all understanding. But we focus on all the blessings and all the benefits that God can give us, but we don't focus on the fact that it is God who is the greatest, greatest blessing we could ever have. The greatest thing, the greatest gift God could ever give you is himself. That's it. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, eternal life. 
What is life eternal? Life, And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That's John chapter 17, I believe in verse number 3. I may be mistaken on that verse reference, but it's definitely in John chapter 17. Life eternal is to know him. So, she is saying here, we will be glad and rejoice, not in your benefits, not in what you can do for me, not even in answered prayers, uh, even though those things are wonderful and good, but we will be glad and rejoice just simply in you. That's all we need. We don't need all the fancy things this world has to offer. We don't need all the gasmos and gidgets. Uh, gadgets and gizmos, I'll get that right, Um, gadgets and gizmos and all the things that the world has to offer, we need Jesus, and that is it. If we have him, we should be glad and just rejoice in him. What is it that the scripture says there in Jeremiah chapter number 9? He says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, nor uh, and let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. God expects us not just to delight in His blessings, but to delight in Him, to rejoice in Him. So she says, "We will be glad." and rejoice in thee. Then she says, we will remember thy love more than wine. And we discussed uh, the importance of wine, uh, culturally, socially, uh, in in the context of uh, their culture, in the context of the history of it all, and in the context of just what wine is. And we're not necessarily talking about fermented alcohol. We're talking about the fruit of the vine, okay, and, and, and how that it was a symbol of, of prosperity. It was a symbol of a good year that, you know, God had given them an in- increase. You know, they could plant, they could water, but if there was no uh, no uh, sunshine, then it was all for nothing. If there was no protection from uh, varmints and critters and, and things like that, foxes that would come in to destroy the vine, uh, which is actually talked about in Song of Solomon chapter number two, if there wasn't protection and provision from God, then then there would be no wine at the end of the year, and that it was something that was to be enjoyed, you know, in in a public setting or in a social setting that you enjoyed wine. You know, we think of the the marriage supper in Cana of Galilee in John chapter number one, uh, where Jesus turned the water into wine, and uh, th- that's was part of their life in joyful moments, in occasions where. They had much rejoicing and, and much to be thankful for and much to celebrate. They would drink wine together. They would drink the, the fruit of the vine together. And, and so, you know, to say that something was better than wine, it's not just saying, you know, something's better than the drink. All right. Here in the South, we, we really like our sweet tea. Right. And, and so, you know, if somebody says, well, something's better than sweet tea, it's not really the same thing because what wine represented to these people and what it still represents to those people today, it's so much more than, than what we can understand in, in without putting it into the context of that, of saying, you know, this is something that's symbolized far more than just something to drink. 
We will remember thy love more than wine. It makes more of an impression in the best, uh, in the happiest of times. Think again about the the marriage there in Cana of Galilee in John chapter number one. And, And to say that we will remember thy love more than wine is to say, you know, better than that occasion in which we had all of our friends and all of our family and we celebrated a holy communion of a man and a woman together as husband and wife. And, you know, we, we spent days on end, you know, in enjoying one another and sharing stories and, and just celebrating and, and then having a good time. And, oh, what a wonderful time of life that was. You know what? I'm going to remember the love of God more than that because it's far more than that. The love of God brings me into a communion not only with the God who created me and, and who has recreated me through the new birth, through uh, the birth of the Spirit, uh, I, I also have a, a new family, you know, the family of God. You know, I have brothers and sisters in Christ and people that I can enjoy and celebrate and, and swap stories with and say, you know, this is what the Lord has done for me and, and this is how the Lord has answered my prayers and how he helped me through difficult times. And, and, and I, I, can, I can enjoy a new family because of what God has done for me. That is better than wine. And so she's saying, we will remember thy love more than wine. And then she says, and this is really kind of the phrase that I, I, I want to really emphasize. She says, the upright love thee. The upright love thee. Now she's made a similar uh, statement in, at the end of verse number three. Therefore do the virgins love thee. Virgin talks about the purity uh, of that particular person's character. Uh, I believe the King James translators, I have a different Bible in front of me. I don't have the Bible in front of me that has the King James translators notes with them. Uh, But there's a note, I believe, in the margin here that gives an alternate reading. Now, I'm not for substituting the alternate reading into the text. Understand that, okay? But the King James translators wanted us to know uh, that this passage of Scripture, this particular phrase could be seen as the upright, or, or they love the uprightly. That it's speaking less about the character of the person and more about the quality of the worship. That, the, that it, is, it is a love that is given in an upright way. And of course, love that is given in an upright right way cannot be given out of anybody who is not upright, okay? Uh, so it doesn't change the text to, to consider it this way. It doesn't change the meaning at all, but it, it emphasizes something for us, okay? So the upright love thee. And if we are going to be upright and love him, we're going to have to love him uprightly. And what uprightly means, it means uh, if I can borrow uh, the biblical term that is due to my uh, dear to my heart, uh, it is to worship him after the due order. It is to approach him the correct way, the right way. It is to love him the right way. And so she says here, the upright love thee. And the only way that the upright can love thee and still remain to be upright is to love him uprightly. And so there's a particular way in which we have to love God. I remember, again, uh, going back to my, my childhood, there would be some occasions in which my, my mother would ask us to do something and say, children, in this, in this commercial break, the next commercial break, I want you to sweep the uh, kitchen floors. That was something that she would oftentimes ask us to do. When we would get in, in, in the house from school, 
you know, we were allowed to watch TV for a little bit, bit of time, but she would she would make these requirements of us and say, you know what, while you're there and you're you're winding down, you're watching TV or whatever, I still want you to be productive to this house. And so we would help her along the way. Now understand, I'm, I'm I had four or three brothers, four of us all total and and together. So we needed to help her, not just for principle's sake, but because she needed the help. Because boy howdy, could we make a mess, and we still can make a mess today. Just one of us can make a mighty mess today. Just ask my wife. Anyway, uh, so she would say, you know, we'll sweep the floor uh, in in the next commercial break. And then we would go and we would do a halfway job of doing it. You know, we would we would miss stuff and we would rush so we would get back to our TV, which was idolatry. And I see that clear as day now, but I didn't necessarily see it then. And uh, sometimes whenever we would either do a job uh, halfway, not performing it the right way, or if we just outright disobeyed and did not do the thing that was asked and required, my mom would remind us so many times, love is an action word. And that is something that Jesus himself teaches. He says, why, uh, why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the same things that I say? He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So how is it that we're supposed to love him uprightly? We're supposed to love him according to his word. We're supposed to love him while allowing him to fashion us according to his own image. What the scripture tells us in Romans chapter number 8, that we were called to be conformed to the image of his dear son. And so we're called to be uh, a part of God's heritage and a part of God's uh, God's creation, yes, of God's creation, but of, a part of uh, of God's purpose in the way that we live. And so if we really, truly love him, really love him, it's going to show in the way that we live and we act. Now, this is not teaching salvation by works. We do not love him uprightly in order to be saved. We love him uprightly because we have been saved. And we go back to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. To illustrate this point, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is commonly uh, quoted, and and rightly so, as a reason for believing salvation by grace through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But then oftentimes we, we neglect to continue on with what the Scripture had to say. The Scripture goes on and says, we are, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, and get this, Unto good works. Unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God has saved us by grace through faith so that we may perform good works unto him. Why has he done this? Because he wants us to be like him. And he only does things well. He only does good works. And so If we are going to truly love him, truly follow him, truly be a part of his kingdom and a part of his new creation, then we're going to have to love him uprightly. We're going to have to love him according to his word. We're going to have to love him humbly. We're going to have to love him submissively. We're going to have to love him uh, obediently. And I understand that may seem redundant because those words are somewhat synonymous with each other, but I don't think all redundancy or all repetition is redundancy. Redundancy is something that you repeat for no real reason. Repetition sometimes is 
is very meaningful. And we need to remember this. We need to remember this well. If we are his, then we're going to have to run after him. We're going to have to remember his love more than wine. We're going to have to love him uprightly. And so I hope and pray that this passage of scripture will minister to your heart as we consider the Song of Solomon together. We'll continue on in the next session in Song of Solomon 1 and verse number 5. And uh, may the Lord help us to prepare our heart for that particular episode. And uh, y'all pray for us. And again, uh, if you have not already contacted us, not necessarily contacted us, but if you haven't already connected with us, that's the word I'm looking for, uh, then I encourage you to do so. Facebook.com slash Turning Tide Media. And uh, we look forward to connecting with you there. Until next time, may God bless you, keep you in his word. May Jesus Christ be praised.